You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Friday, and this is Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's going to be a fiery at night. It's going to be a fiery weekend. The Raiders play the Bengals. That's what we're going to spend the next two hours talking about, right, Sarah? Oh, wait, no. I don't think so. I don't think that's a fact. I don't think we that's will get into the Raiders. Mostly, I think we're going to do a pulse check on both of our teams. Yeah, that, that are we are going to do. still alive? Uh, look, at the end of the day, there is only one place we can start tonight's show, and that's live from Louisville. It's Friday night. I don't That it, is correct. It didn't quite roll off the tongue, but I am live in Louisville. You are in Bristol, but I am here in advance of tomorrow's NWSL championship game featuring uh, the, the favored... The, the the team that's in your heart and in your programs is number one, the Chicago Red Stars, uh, and, and then another team. I believe they're called the Washington Spirit, but nobody cares about them because the Red Stars are in the title game, and I'm here to watch my squad tomorrow. You can watch on CBS, 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central on CBS, so you can all watch it, and Paramount Plus if you need to stream it, and Twitch if you're listening to us internationally. Oh, I love every ounce of this, and I love the excitement, and I love the fact that, you know, obviously no one could have predicted, uh, although we've never questioned your greatness, no one could have predicted <laughs> that simply by you becoming part of the ownership group, the team would make it to the finals. Clearly. But, uh, Clearly. but I, will, I will say this. It's such a cool moment to see because you have put your time, resources, your money, and your action where, where your mouth is in supporting women's sports and supporting women's professional sports. And to see that come to fruition in this way, like just as somebody watching from a distance as an ally, is really effing inspiring. So I'm so Thank happy you. for you and I'm so happy for Chicago and I'm uh, I'm not going to lie like I'm rooting for you to win in such Yay. dramatic fashion that you're popping bottles minutes in like that's the whole <laughs> like like 3 4 minutes in I look I know as, as much about soccer as Ted Lasso has taught me I am the first to admit that when I have to talk about it on Sports Nation they they literally type every single word out of it out of like phonetically because they know that I'm uh, I'm I'm terrible at this but the real question is if y'all win do I get championship swag? Um, I can't promise that. Oh. I do. I uh, listen. I still owe you some some aces swag from our WNBA bet. You still have not picked out what you need me to buy for you. But um, listen, I'll put it out there. When we win, I will get you some Red Stars championship swag. Woo. How about that? Woo. Because. You know, my co-host needs to be decked out in the magic, too. Um, we are going to talk to Meg Linehan a little bit later in the show, and she's going to help break down everything that's going into this championship game, sort of an unlikely pairing of teams in the final. Lots of drama, lots of very interesting storylines, so that'll be fun. And this weekend's going to be a blast. My team has been to the playoffs and the championship many times before, but we have never won. So I will only take credit and, and blame new ownership for all the success when we win tomorrow. Well, I cannot wait to watch every single second of it from campus. You guys can follow along with Sarah through all of that at uh, Sarah Spain, obviously, on Twitter to see the action as it's happening. Now, I know there's a lot of big NFL news, and we'll get to mm-hmm. it now. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. And the big form in the news comes from one of the biggest players in the game that we now know will be missing some time as we find out that Amari Cooper has tested positive for COVID-19. Now, a couple of important things to make sure everybody knows. According to reports, he is not 
vaccinated, meaning that he will miss at least 10 days. Also, let's acknowledge the fact that the Cowboys not only have a game Sunday against the Chiefs, but they also have a game on Thanksgiving Day against the Las Vegas Raiders. So what could have been a Amari Cooper revenge game, uh, as they always term it, uh, won't happen. So Amari Cooper will miss a couple of big games uh, against a couple of teams that I think they got to felt like feel like they came in with a, a, a real confidence uh, in, in their ability to win, Sarah. And now it comes down to what's going to happen next because Calvin Watkins of the Dallas uh, News pointed out on Freddie and Fitzsimmons that Dak is going to need to have a big game in order for them to win. A couple of years ago, he had a chance to beat Tom Brady up in New England and failed miserably. And then uh, this year, he had a chance to beat Tom Brady in Tampa in, in the season oper- opener and didn't get it done. So now he's got Patrick Mahomes, who's you know one of the top five quarterbacks in the game, one of the top teams in the league. So, yes, he's got a chance to beat Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. That would put him on another level. Tougher to do without your best wide receiver, though, right, Sarah? Yeah, and I'm disappointed because it feels like so many of the biggest games this year, somebody's been gone. And you and I talked about this well before the season started, Fitz. We predicted this. There would be more meaningful misses and and guys sitting out because of COVID this season than last because protocols have changed. There's a false sense of security because of the vaccine, because you know we're so far into the pandemic that people are a little bit less vigilant about it. And it has affected this season way more than last year. There was that one crazy game where there were no quarterbacks. But for the most part, when you're seeing a guy like Cooper out for two games for sure because he chose not to be vaccinated, when you're seeing Aaron Rodgers miss a game, when you like big, big names that have been out for this, Ben Roethlisberger out to start, you know, that's something that we sort of predicted. And I'm sad to say that it's come true. And in this case, I'm just really bummed. I want to see whether the Chiefs can beat a good team instead of just feasting on, on teams that don't cover them right or aren't any good. I want to see if the Cowboys can beat a good team clicking Chiefs team with their weapons. And we're not going to get that, which is frustrating. Yeah, and and let's also, when they eventually do the 30 for 30 on this season, when we see a documentary of this season, these are the sorts of small turning points that matter when a half a game separates the Cowboys from the Cardinals and the Packers in the conversation over the first overall seed. And let's remember that in the new playoff structure, only the first overall seed gets a bye. So even though this is a two game and you could say, hey, they've got the East basically locked up, I would argue that in the NFC particularly, every game has more importance for the Cowboys, the Cardinals, and the Packers right now because they're all sitting there with the Rams right behind trying to fight for one bye. So uh, there's a lot there that actually Mm matters in the course of this. Speaking of the Packers, you know, they've got a game coming up against the Vikings. You can listen to Packers Vikings on ESPN Radio Sunday. Pre-game starts at noon Eastern. They've got a game coming in that a lot of people think, you know, is going to be a cakewalk. But one Ryan Clark does not agree. Check out what he said about the Vikings and the Packers. Upset alert. Nah, this is an upset lock, Greeny. I don't really... Matter of fact, it's only an upset because of what we see the Minnesota Vikings record as. The Minnesota Vikings are a team that is better than their record. The Minnesota Vikings are a team that if not for a field goal missed in Arizona, they win that football game at that time against a team that was undefeated and playing the best football in the NFL. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. This is one of the very few teams in the league with two number one wide receivers receivers and an elite level running back and when you look at what they 
can do defensively when you're not, you know, when you're not a team that wants to run the ball against them, this defense can actually play well too. I think that the Minnesota Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers, and it's not Ooh. even about Aaron Rodgers' toe. It's about the Minnesota Vikings and the type of team that they could be, and the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a 500 quarterback against Mike Zimmer coach defense is 7-7-1. and one. I look at the Minnesota Vikings as a team that's a threat to get better as this season closes down, become mm. a playoff team, and actually make some noise. And this could be the week that it starts against a division rival. You buying it, Sarah? Yeah, really smart stuff from Ryan there. It's a tough thing for me to believe this, but I think I, I heard Kyle Brandt say on Good Morning Football, yeah, they'll beat they'll beat this team and they'll beat next week and then, you know, they'll lose to the Lions because that's how the Vikings operate, right? The, <laughs> I mean, but, but what Ryan said is smart. Defensively, they will sit back in a shell and try to make Green Bay earn everything. And then on the other side of the ball, the Packers defense has been playing well, but Minnesota sticks to high percentage passes. Kirk Cousins has been taking care of the football and, you know, especially... Now you take Aaron Jones out of the mix for the Green Bay offense. Like, there's a number of factors here that if you break it down, instead of in the abstract where you say, oh, the Packers are a better team, this this wouldn't be that surprised. I don't know if I'm willing to go there, but I would not be surprised that all of the Vikings find a way to take a Packers team that's been bad on offense two weeks in a row. One of those was with Jordan Love, but whether Aaron Rodgers is still suffering the complications of COVID-19 or just a little rustier or whatever – He's got that toe as well. Add, add that in. Um, Vikings can pull this off. Yeah, and the Vikings need a signature win if they're going to try and turn this season around. Be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. College football's back, so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. All right, the Patriots keep run, rolling. What do we learn about them following their massive slaughter last night? We'll break it all down for you next. <laughs> Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The straight talk is the Falcons got that butt whooped last night. Now, Sarah, I want to make some dramatic takeaway out of it. I really do. I want to find some reason why it speaks to how great the Patriots are going to be. I really do. But I'm just too biased. I'm the first, like, I'm just so trying to find a reason why the Patriots really aren't all that great because, uh, frankly, I'm tired of seeing them be successful that I kept watching it last night thinking, it's just the Falcons are that bad. Talk me off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I can find some other one. But, like, Matt Ryan looked like he just was absolutely going to get murdered every time he touched the football last night. And then every time he did actually stay upright, he couldn't find anybody that was open because there was nothing there to be had. This Patriots defense looks spectacular, but the Falcons look lost trying to actually play football. Yeah, I don't often feel just genuinely sad for a team that isn't <laughs> the Bears. The Bears, that ha- that happens a lot. But last night by the end when I was like, oh, wow, every single quarterback for the Falcons has now thrown a pick. Uh, I was sad. I was like, this is just mean. Um, but the question is, what did you take away from it? Because, again, the Falcons, I don't, I don't know how they've won four games. Like, let's start with that because last night was <laughs> atrocious. But there are two differing opinions. One is that this just adds to the legend of the Pats, and the other is that we need to see them against better competition. Let's start with Ryan Clark, who was on Barton Hahn, who just said, I'm, I'm, this is making me feel even better about the Patriots. I think this team is, a, is an AFC contender. I think this team is an AFC contender now. I think this defense can travel. Uh, I believe they're multiple. I think you look at what uh, Bill Belichick was able to do throughout the offseason. We really weren't focused on the fact that you're getting guys 
like Hightower back from opt-out, what Matthew Judon could be used as. A guy like Kyle Duggar drafted from Lenore Ryan uh, in the second round last year, now being that kind of lawyer Malloy, um, Rodney Harrison chess piece at the strong safety position. I think this team is really good. Okay, so that's what a lot of people have been saying, especially those defensive additions in the offseason and the way they're using them. A lot of people are on that train. There are other people, like Bart Scott, who said, again on Barton Hahn, that he's not sold yet. You can call me a hater whatever you want. You are. At some point, <laughs> right, at some point, every team goes through stretches like this because of the opponents that they play. Five straight games? Miss me and show me when they play the Titans – Show me when they play the Buffalo Bills. Well, we're going to. Show me coming up. when you play the Indianapolis Colts. Don't talk to me about the teams that you play. You know what I mean? Like, every team goes through these stretches, man. I mean, Sarah, isn't that a little like the college football conversation we have all the time where, like, hey, it's going to work itself out. Like, for everybody yeah. that wants the Patriots to get more respect right now, I, I think everybody that we just listened to is right. Like, RC's right that they're a contender because basically everybody in the AFC is a contender and they do play good defense. But I also think that Bart Scott's right in saying, hey, they've beaten some teams that are questionable. So there's nothing wrong with saying let's look at the next month of football before we decide whether or not the Patriots are Super Bowl contenders because if they go 3-1 and one in the next month, they will clearly be Super Bowl contenders. If they don't, we'll be saying, well, they're a playoff team, but how far into the playoffs can they go? Yeah, I mean, the next month, They've got two meetings with the Bills and then meeting with the Titans. We're going to get to see who they are. So you're right. They both can be true. I just want to point out, though, that Bart said every team has a stretch like this. I do not remember the last time the Bears or the Raiders, for that matter, had a stretch of five straight wins by an average of 25 points each. Yeah. Just that, like that was a bit of a stretch. Like you could say you're not sold, but to argue that every team can have a stretch like this. No, nah, the Pats are beating the butts on people and it's deserving of credit. Now you could say you want to see more, but let's at least acknowledge that what they've done the last few weeks has been really impressive. No, it has been impressive. And uh, by the way, that, that streak's going to start this Sunday when the Raiders beat the Bengals by 25 or more. Uh, right, right, right. Look, I, I got to have hope today. Uh, and, and I will point out for all of the conversation we're having about these games that they've won over bad teams, they did just beat a Chargers team on Halloween yeah. that's a good football team. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there is some some credit to be given throughout this process to who they have beaten. And uh, they played the Buccaneers tight. They played the Cowboys tight. They went to overtime with the Cowboys. So you're talking about two teams that get a ton of love. So it's not like we haven't seen them. Play. This isn't sort of an argument where all they've done is beat up on cupcakes all year long. They've got some quality wins. And it's very reminiscent. I know I said this yesterday, but I'll say it again. It's very reminiscent of early Tom Brady. You know, if you go back and watch Man in the Arena, one of the things they talk about in that first episode with the first Super Bowl is that they weren't asking Tom to be a world beater. They were just asking Tom not to lose football games. Go Mm -hmm. out there and just do your job, as simple as that is now. That's what I felt like I was watching last night. Like, they don't make unforced errors. They don't commit stupid penalties. They don't put themselves in negative down and distance. Their quarterback takes advantage of the opportunities that are there for them. And from that process, in a very simple way, they win football games and make it right. look easy. Belichick gets them ready. Belichick has a game plan. And as long as people follow it, they don't have to do that much to win it, you know? Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk to you about Cam Newton because uh, he's he's back not just on the field but in the press room. And I, for one, have always been a fan of the crazy clothes, of the cocky attitude, of the, you know, other than the, it's funny you were asking about routes BS that I was not a fan of, other than a couple of those moments for Cam, for the most part, I found him to be charming and engaging and fun. And his first in-person news conference back with the Panthers was fun. 
You know, he's got a he's got an outfit on. He's got a custom made hat that has a Clark Kent press pass tucked into it, obviously for Superman. He's got a T-shirt. Um, you know, he was yelling, "I'm back!" He changed it to "We back." He gave away 50 people who've never been to a game at B of A with him. B O A, sorry, um, tickets to the game, and he moonwalked out of there. Like all of it is vintage Cam. You're happy to have him back there. Um, and and you know, I think what he said about his role with this team was spot on. I said, there's no other place in football that I would rather be on Sunday than Bank of America Stadium because it will be a playoff atmosphere. Looking forward to another opportunity. I know my role, and as my role is becoming a leader of this team, there's a respect, but we're trying to get one and no by any means. I refuse to for it, the narrative to be about two people when it's about 106 people. I, mean, I like that. All of that speaks wonders. By the way, I just want to know what haberdashery he goes to to get his yeah, hats. Uh, we all do. I mean, there's no doubt. Excellent gl- use, by the way, of haberdashery. And, and I would also love to know what his hat budget, like there's a guy that makes a spreadsheet where I put everything in the line item all the way down <laughs> to like Christmas decor. I would love to know Amazing. what the line item looks like for, you know, hats for Cam Newton. Uh, but no, I, I love everything he's saying there. And I think that comes back to why this actually made a ton of sense. You know, as much as I joked at the time, you can't usually text your ex you up and have it work out. Like, I don't know that this doesn't work out simply in the sense that he's very comfortable there. And at the Mm. end of the day, I think that matters to Cam. Like, going somewhere where you feel like you can be yourself, but you also know the environment and know the, 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 the stadium and know the football, know all of it from there. I think that's a strong point for why he can have some success. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he he is still going to have the same limitations physically. And those are things we still are going to need to figure out by watching him. But as far as a place that he's most likely to find success, this is it. And they need him. They they need uh, an upgrade from what they have. So this will be fun to watch whether or not he actually can take them into the playoffs and be a contender is, is yet to be seen. By the way, it sounds like he works with a hat provider named either Alberto or Hernandez or Mashika. Mm. Uh, that's apparently where he gets his custom hats. Yeah, I, all of those are outside my price range. So yes, if any sure. of them, if any of them have like an off-brand that are available on Amazon Prime, <laughs> that's some straight talk, Mashika straight rack. talk wireless. No contract, <laughs> no compromise. Yeah, yeah. That, that I don't think that exists, but I'd like to find it, uh, and I'd like to see Cam go out and continue to be successful because at the end of the day, it's a good story, and they do have several games coming up that are winnable for the Panthers. So mm-hmm. let's see how they can do under Cam. All right. You know it's time for it. We've got a championship preview coming up next that you will only hear here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And always hanging out with you on Sirius XM Channel 80. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Ah, it sounds so sweet. That is the sound of your and my Chicago Red Stars advancing to the championship game, which will take place tomorrow against the Washington Spirit. I just don't even know how you're being professional right now because you're an actual pro and I'm not. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. Yeah, I'm not going to squeal like a a wet pig. Or a child. Yeah, either one. Um, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I am actually live in Louisville. And our next guest was just hanging out with me no more than about an hour ago Ooh. at a little reception for some folks in town for the Saka. And uh, we were like, hey, did you want to come up to my hotel room and do the interview? And then I realized I only had one mic. So she is on the phone. Joining us now, Meg Linehan, who covers the U.S. Women's National Team and the NWSL for The Athletic to get us ready for tomorrow's NWSL championship game, 12 Eastern, 11 Central, 9 Pacific, on CBS. Meg, let's start with important stuff. Injured COVID protocol players, who do we know that's in and out on either side? 
Right. So, I mean, obviously teams are, are missing a couple of key players, but the big mystery really for this game on Saturday was if Mal Pugh was going to be able to play. And there was a little bit of confusion about when COVID protocols happened, but Mal Pugh was at training today and will be a factor for the Red Stars. And that's a huge win for Chicago to have her back on this team. So what's the biggest matchup you're looking for in this game? Ooh, I mean, I think really what we have seen, you know, I've been in, I was in Chicago for the first round of the playoffs and then was in Portland last weekend. So I've watched a lot of Chicago over the past couple of weeks, but really, again, what so many of these games have come down to so far in the playoffs is just who's, who's midfield is more successful. And what I think is going to be really interesting is how Chicago, how much possession they have in this game, because generally they allow other teams to kind of control the ball. But here I think it might be a little bit more even. So, I mean, the two players that I'm really watching tomorrow are honestly Andy Sullivan on the Washington Spirit side, who's their defensive midfielder, kind of their quarterback, and then Morgan Gatra on the Chicago Red Star side, because that is who the Chicago midfield runs through. And I think whoever has the better day, uh, is going to be on the winning team. Meg Linehan with us. She covers NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team for The Athletic. Yeah, Morgan Traw had a hell of a game in that semifinal in terms of rating afterwards. She really controlled so much of it. And this feels like a game that's going to be based on mistakes. Two teams that are really going to shut it down defensively. The Red Stars have only allowed one goal in their last, I think, four or five games. So when you look at the Washington spirit and the red stars, who are the explosive players that need to break through from what should be a defensive shootout? Right. And again, Mal Pugh, super, super crucial for Chicago. That was the difference maker in that Chicago Gotham game in the first round, obviously someone like Katie Johnson, right. Stepping up when she subs onto the field in Portland in place of Kelia Watt, who got hurt in Portland. Um, So those are the two players that I'm really going to be keeping an eye on. On the spirit side, of course, it's really down to this dynamic duo of Trinity Rodman, now Rookie of the Year for the NWSL, and Ashley Sanchez in the midfield. And those are two players who, again, scored the two important goals for them against the Reign in their semifinal. Those are the two players that are able to make something from nothing with the Washington spirit and shutting them down is absolutely a challenge because I think Ashley Sanchez, especially we saw last weekend at an impossible angle, she is still able Mm -hmm. to score a goal and it's really hard to minimize that threat. So Meg, one thing that was interesting to me and just reading up on the championship is that the location was moved at the request of the players from Portland to Louisville, Uh, a two part question here. Why Louisville and how difficult has it been for them to sort of put all of this together to make sure that they host the final the right way? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the short term, you know, like three, four weeks ago, right, where we found out the championship was getting moved. Part of it is the fact that, you know, the game is on big CBS. Obviously, that is a big college football day, and they have a really, honestly, good window for what they're able to get at this point of the year on CBS. So originally, when the bidding process happened for the championship, Portland was the only team that actually finished the bidding process for the championship. So they were awarded it. And then really after so much of the reporting came out, some of the reporting that I did, but also, you know, around a whole bunch of other things, players are starting to to feel like they will be listened to. And a request was made. If this game is going to start at noon Eastern, we don't want to be waking up at basically, you know, six o'clock in the morning to 
to, to play the game in Pacific time zone. So I think it has been a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure that this championship is, you know, at the standard that everybody expects. But so far, it's been honestly a really amazing experience in Louisville. And I think everything has come together so far really, really well. Yeah, the city's been showing out so far, and it's a beautiful new stadium um, that has hosted, you know, the, the the Women's Cup tournament earlier in the season, a better time slot for the players. And, you know, to speak to some of what was hovering over the Portland team um, beyond the time zone and also the field surface and everything else, let's get into that. Meg Linehan is with us here on Spain and Fitz talking NWSL championship tomorrow, 12 Eastern on CBS um, there's a lot of juicy storylines in the playoffs, and a lot of them are things that if this were, say, the NFL, we would have been going crazy over, you know, Rory Dames, the coach of the Red Star, facing off against his assistant from the same season, Scott Parkinson, who left to go coach Gotham right. in that first playoff game. Like, that's wild for the guy who spent most of the season with a team to then have the secrets and coach against them in that game. You've got the Washington Spirit who are trying to pick up the pieces of a broken franchise, not only because their coach got fired, but now there's an ownership battle between the minority owner and the majority owner owner over who will run this team I mean there's a lot of storylines what which ones are you focusing on when it comes to the final it, you know it was funny so we had our media day here in Louisville um, at the Kentucky Derby Museum and I was speaking with Sierra Davidson and I was kind of joking with her like hey you know it does kind of feel like Chicago are the narrative killers right like not only just <laughs> Scott Parkinson being a former assistant coach but that's Carly Lloyd's final game right yep. and then to go to Portland and that's the, the head coach of, of Portland's final game with Portland before he heads off to coach the Netherlands. And this is a team that's won three of four potential trophies in a year, and no one's ever done this before. So Chicago really does have that kind of narrative killer storyline to them. Sorry, writers. And then obviously, <laughs> yeah. But, it, I mean, it, it's honestly fascinating. It makes for good content, too, though. Yeah. Just like, yeah. yeah, they just repel these storylines of, like, oh, the, another team comes in and they feel like, you know, for Washington, they feel like they are a team of destiny in so many ways. Like after that semifinal with the rain, you know, speaking with someone like their goalkeeper, Aubrey Bledsoe, she just said, like, we feel like we have kind of lived through so much. It's really for us, like, we've had challenges every single step of the way. The championship is no different, right? They lost one of their key players in Tori Huser to injury last weekend as well. So I feel like there is always that kind of motivation for a team as well when you get kind of, you know, she's been with that team since the very start. And so when you lose a player like that in a very heartbreaking injury fashion, there always is going to be extra motivation there. But all that off-field stuff, ownership battles, coaching being fired, an investigation, you know, the kind of just a real messy encapsulation of the NWSL this season, there's a lot, there's a lot here. Meg, one of the things that was interesting to me, the game's almost sold out at this point. So do you expect one team or the other to have more representation? Will there be a an advantage from one fan base? I think Chicago probably traveled a little bit better. They're just closer. But I think, honestly, actually, Louisville ended up being the perfect location for these two teams in terms yeah. of <laughs> ability to travel. Just Chicago's pretty close. For Washington, it's really one of the next better options unless somehow, you know, miraculously Gotham was in the game. So I think it is going to be a pretty good atmosphere. Also remarkably Angel City FC from LA traveled a whole bunch of fans too. So I think it's just going to be a really good, a good game, a good crowd, right? I think it's going to be very loud. It is a little chilly here to mm -hmm. the point where everybody's complaining about that a little bit, but 
other than that, I mean, it feels like it's going to be a really good championship. I had to leave layers out of my suitcase because this radio equipment took up my entire suitcase. And I was just like, oh, it's going to be warm. And I got here. I was like, oh, I could have used the extra room for that jacket I didn't bring. Um, Meg, also, I, I need to ask you as we let you go here. The Chicago Red Stars uh, revealed that their rallying song of, of late has been um, funds. We are young. But I also heard during yeah. media uh, media availability that the Spirit announced that they get ra- rallied around some sort of pitch-perfect moment of their own. Do we know what their song is? I don't know if I heard it. Um, they were definitely my, my favorite part of the Washington Spirit Media Day was that you know we had some awards actually happen in person. So it's always very funny where someone who does not really want a whole bunch of attention has suddenly got all of their teammates <laughs> screaming at them in a small room while highlights are being played. So that was really the part that I was focusing on. But I do feel like there's always, like, teens find an anthem, and that's just what they roll with. Yeah. But the we are, we are Young one was cracking me up because everyone really admitted, like, it's a very hard song to sing, and that's why it will never happen in public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, when they win, I think they'll bust it out, and they'll be fine with us yeah, recording it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Meg, thanks for the insight. I will see you at the game tomorrow. Get back to the party. Thanks, All right, Meg. sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Meg Linehan, you can read her work on the U.S. Women's National Team NWSL for The Athletic, and really incredible breaking news all season long for what was a, a troubling and tough season for a still-growing NWSL, so make sure you follow her. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance is proud to support veterans with its annual Keys to Progress vehicle giveaway program, now celebrating nine years of donating vehicles, helping veterans in need. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. Coming up, Lakers get a huge piece back tonight, and also how we're feeling about our football teams going into Week 11. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We got LeBron James back tonight, and I've, you know, the timeline is full of a whole lot of people excited uh, to see him back in action. Lakers at Celtics tonight. You know, he's he's been gone for about two weeks, so I imagine it, we'll see just how much he has to offer. But um, Lakers four and two without him, um, which isn't so bad. I'm sorry, four and four and six without him, uh, which is uh, not as bad as you might expect, but. You know, this is going to be a continuous storyline for the Lakers this season fits between James and other older players, we'll say. I mean, that's the hardest part about all of this is I said it coming into the year, and I'm not going to change my opinion on it. At the end of the day, if the Lakers are healthy going into the playoffs, they'll be just fine. And if they have anything less than 100% of LeBron and AD, they won't be just fine. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I struggle to care too much about how much these guys play in the regular season as long as they get enough reps to make sure that they're not getting rusty and that we don't have That's the, the story yeah. of LeBron's whole life, right? Yeah. Like, mean, no matter what it looks like in the regular season, let me know when they're in the playoffs and, and we'll see if they've got a shot. Um, that is uh, one of uh, several big games tonight. The Suns are looking for an 11th straight win. They're hosting the 9-5 and five Mavs. Uh, Giannis coming off a 47-point performance as his Bucks take on the Thunder. And we'll talk to C.J. McCollum a little later in the show about what his Blazers did to my Bulls the other night. They mm. did us dirty, Fitz. They did us dirty. His explanation to me when I got mad at him about it was, we needed that win. We really needed that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, 
I, I wanted it. The okay, yeah. I wanted that win. We didn't need it as much as you did, but I wanted it. Uh, we'll get back to the NBA, but I wanted to check in. Um, obviously, feeling good about my Bulls. The Bears, not so much. And I thought we should do a checkup. It's been a while since we've talked a lot about our teams because really no one's talking about them because they're not doing so hot. I want to do a pulse check. Uh, are the Raiders alive? How are how are you feeling about them? Where are you sitting right now? So this is a huge, and it's funny because I said a month ago I thought this weekend would be the key weekend for the Raiders mm. season. I still feel that way. The Bengals taking on the Raiders. I think this is interesting. I don't know how FPI decides these things, but according to the FPI, this is the, the football protect projection index. This is the second closest game by their projections of the entire season. Like right now mm. they give the Raiders a 49.9% chance to win wow. the Bengals a 49.7%. Both teams are five and four. They're both uh, trying to find their way into the playoffs, uh, both right now, right behind the chargers in that. And, this is simple. If the Raiders come in and don't turn the ball over, they'll be just fine. And that's been the case for them. The Raiders, when they play well, they don't turn the ball over. When they don't play well, they turn the ball over because it feels like Derek Carr's trying too hard, throwing the ball up. It's a lame duck, and it becomes an issue. So I, and this is a huge game against the Bengals. The Bengals, obviously, Jamar Chase has been a delight. I think he just close, just under 900 yards receiving or right around 900 yards receiving so far this year, which is insane for a rookie that in training camp we decided couldn't catch the ball. So, you know, Know, you've got this moment where you've got Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase as electric. When it works, when it doesn't work, it leads to interceptions. So I think there's an opportunity for turnovers on the on the Cincinnati side of the ball. Like for both teams, this is the we belong in the playoffs. We have to win this game game. So I like Vegas in it, but I don't feel particularly confident about it, which maybe is a good thing because when I feel confident, I yeah. know, they don't do well. Yeah, we played that sound of you a couple of weeks ago. We're going to win and I'm going to come in so cocky. Oh, yeah. and then you got and I also was very confident kicked. going into Chicago. Chicago. I put money on the Chicago game. We saw how that went. So, yeah. yeah. We did. We both saw it in person with our own eyes. It was magical. I did a lot of dancing that day. I was very excited. I want to ask, though, because we talked about this at the beginning of the season. The Raiders have had a couple seasons of late where they start off really strong, and then it's a nose dive. Are you, are you clenching? Are no. the butt cheeks tight? Are you imagining that we are on the way to yet another extremely exciting start only to be followed by the continued spiral that we've seen the last couple of weeks? No, because I think there's a real explanation for at least part of the spiral over the last few weeks. I, I, I do believe that. And I believe that there's some leadership in that room that's going to be helpful in getting them through this uh, this moment. And, you know, it's funny, Tim Brown, the uh, legendary uh, Raider uh, actually tweeted the other day about how he remembered the 1989 season where they lost a teammate uh, during the uh, – right before the season, uh, they lost a teammate. And he said, you know, just the never really having the normalcy in the locker room took us half a season to get through. I think mm -hmm. it takes guys a minute to figure out what life is like when you realize that you look at a locker and, and that yeah, person sure. is not in that locker. That is not – we all know that does not equate to anything as significant as the loss of life, which is the most important thing. But for everybody in that locker room, they're just trying to figure out how to navigate it. I think they'll be fine as long as they win on Sunday. If they okay, I want to talk Sunday, about the crisis. Bears. So really quick crisis. question for you. You have to answer it very quickly. If they lose this week, are you still going to say it's about Henry Ruggs III and Gruden and everything else? Or are you going to start to look at what's actually going wrong on the field? Yeah, if they lose this week, they're done and everybody's uh, everybody's going to be gone anyway. So who cares? Like everybody's getting fired if they lose this week. Not, not now, but by the end of the year, they'll all be gone. That, that, that's So yes, if they, if they lose this week, then we can have real conversations about the rest of it that's at least my thought where are that's you on fair. the bears yeah it's spain and fitz here spain jason fitz uh i feel much worse about my team than you do and for good reason not just because of the horrific record and the fact that they are not going to compete for their division or anything else but the injury report today oh 
The first response on the official tweet from the Bears about their injury report is a screen grab of um, Rick Astley, and it says, considers giving you up. Uh, And that is from a fan who is very much ready to just say, see you next season. Okay, so out for sure, Akeem Hicks. Questionable, Eddie Jackson. Doubtful, Allen Robinson. Questionable, Elijah Wilkinson. Khalil Mack, gone for the season for foot surgery. This is a guy, and I know, you know, if you watched last year, you maybe thought he was losing it a bit. This season when he was healthy, he was back to being a game destroyer. He's a six-time Pro Bowler. He's a three-time All-Pro first team, two-time Butkus Award winner, player of the year a couple years ago. You know, this guy is one of the greatest. And for it to just be done for the year, um, you just add that to to so many growing pains and it's brutal. I mean, the the reason that people in Chicago are enthusiastic about watching this team despite the record is because we want to watch the progress of Justin Fields. And I'll tell you, after last game with the Steelers that we absolutely should have won and that privately the officials in the NFL admitted was completely botched by the officiating crew, Justin Fields' finish was the most perfect, you know, two-minute drive coming back firing perfect, accurate passes. No, 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 no nerves at all for a guy. That's what we're looking for. That's really what we want to see now is if we replace our coach and put the right people in place, is this going to be our quarterback for the next couple of years uh, for 10 years, however long. And I think it is. And that's what I'm excited about. Everything else is kind of, it's pretty depressing. You guys have a gauntlet of a schedule coming up too. Yeah, I mean, other than the lines. It's not good. Uh, I'm not even confident against the Lions anymore. That's how (laughs) ugly things have gotten. Matt Nagy's wasting his time talking about how taunting is bad for the kids. Get out of here. Focus on the game. Coming up, Cowboys are now down a key piece going into their matchup with KC. We'll talk about that and all things Week 11 next on ESPN Radio. Also, if you say KFC and peace, or am I just thinking chicken? It's next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. All right, if there's any one thing I think we can be sure of right now is that none of us have any idea what's actually happening in the NFL season. In fact, according to our stats and info group, it would have been impossible to predict the chaos of the last three weeks. Through week seven, the league's top five records belong to NFC teams that were combined 30 and four through week seven, but they're six and eight since then. Division winners are getting their butts kicked every single week. We are seeing unprecedented upsets every single week. In fact, the underdogs have posted winning records in consecutive weeks for the first time since 1982. What does all that mean? means we don't have a clue and we need help. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Good... Uh, present... Ah, we'll try all that again. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests, see what? Join us on the Goodyear hotline. And now, since Sarah and I can't figure it out to, to make sense of most of it, we'll have Bill Barnwell do it all for us. ESPN senior writer joins us on that Goodyear hotline. Bill, all right, I just gave all the metrics. The The first question before we get into any specificity of this weekend is, why is this season so unprecedented? I, I just want to embrace the chaos, guys. I, I just want to <laughs> lean into it. I, you know, I, I feel like there's just been a combination of things. We have teams dealing with quarterback injuries, um, especially guys who have been kind of locked in for such a long time. Uh, we're seeing, you know, defenses really counter I think a lot of the offensive improvements we've seen in recent years, we're seeing scoring go down. And so I think some of the things we were counting on when it came to offenses last year, we can't really count on this year. And then I think we're just seeing a random bit of chaos entering the universe. It's beautiful to watch, like not knowing anything that is going to happen in any game in any given week. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, and I think part of the reason is something that Fitz and I actually predicted was more people missing due to COVID this season than last mm-hmm. because of a false sense of security, loosened protocols, people depending on the vaccination, et cetera, which leads me to Amari mm-hmm. Cooper, yet another very high profile player who will be out this time assuredly for two weeks because he's unvaccinated and because of that 10 day mm-hmm. requirement. Let's stick with this week. I'm so bummed that once again, a big high profile game is being affected by someone missing due to COVID. How much does his absence affect how you think this uh, competition between the Chiefs and Cowboys is going to go? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a Chiefs defense that's really improved over the past few weeks. Like, they were, I mean, kind of a laughing stock through the first five weeks, right? And then last five games, they've been much better on the defensive side of the ball. But, like, the Cowboys, you know, they're, they're so good. Like, you want to see them at full strength. You want to see what they can do when everyone is there. And that happens so rarely, it seems like, from week to week. So just as you get Michael Gallup back from his injury, now Amari Cooper's gone for a couple weeks. I think having Gallup back helps. Obviously, they're, they're, they're deep with weapons with CeeDee Lamb, Zeke, Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz. Like they have pieces they can get by, but I think just from a fan perspective, like, you know, I want to see all these guys on the field at the same time, and I'm, I'm worrying that we might not even have that chance before someone else gets hurt or someone else gets that injured or, or, or someone else goes missing because of COVID. Like, like, it's just a bummer from the fan perspective. We're talking to Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior writer on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Another matchup I think uh, that's key for the AFC in the playoffs is Indianapolis and Buffalo. What's gone wrong with the Bills overall? I know they get a big win, but what's gone wrong with their offense, and is it permanently fixed in your mind? Uh, I think they'll be okay. Like, you know, playing the Jets tends to fix a lot of problems <laughs> for NFL teams. Like, they're like the one team, like a snow. I was going to say they're, they're the exception to the rule, but they beat Tennessee. This might be the best team in the AFC, so maybe they're just further proof. But the Bills typically, you know, they're going to beat the Jets. They're going to beat some bad football teams. You know, the Jaguars game, which I think is kind of the game that everyone's pointing to as the big problem game, that was like just every single possible just aberration and issue popping up. Um, plus, I, I think we're seeing teams kind of give them the same medicine that they've given the Chiefs, taking away the big plays, forcing Josh Allen to be accurate and consistent. Josh Allen's playing good football, but he's not as good as he was a year ago. And that's just kind of natural. You know, he was just so good a year ago that it's hard to keep that up. But, you know, instead of being like uh, an MVP candidate this year, Murray's more like like the eighth or ninth best quarterback in football. And, you know, that margin is hurting them. They don't run the ball effectively. Their offensive line is a little inconsistent. Their receivers are a little banged up. Cole Beasley has been really not practicing or playing much the past couple weeks. So I think just seeing kind of their margin for error decrease a bit. I think they're going to be fine. But, I mean, the Colts are such a a well-coached team, such a well-disciplined team that if the Bills do slip any further, I think their Colts are good enough to win that game. Spain and Fitz, we're talking to Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior writer here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Bill, there's a lot of people, really smart people, saying that they wouldn't even be surprised by an upset of the Vikings over the Packers. Do you see that game this way? I don't. And you know why? Like, throw out the numbers. Throw out every bit of data we have. I just feel like the Packers just own the Vikings. I feel like they just (laughs) have that in their back pocket. Like, Like, something will happen in fate to ruin the Vikings day if they're in position to win this game. And I think the Packers are just, a, you know, they're, they're not as good as their record, but the Vikings are such a weird team. Like you don't know what's going to show up with them from quarter to quarter or half to half. Like the Packers are such a consistent football team. It's no matter who's missing or what they have to deal with. They always seem to find a way to win. And the Vikings are a team that I mean, at the end of the day, like, let's be honest, they, they will win some games. They're very talented, but 
they will find ways to lose football games a fair amount of the time as well. I just, you know, I, I can't imagine picking the Vikings for that game and having to sit through it for three hours, you know, just sitting on the couch, just hoping and praying that the Vikings are not going to screw it up because, you know, on a talent level, they're pretty similar, but the Packers are just, I think, a better coached and more disciplined football team. All right, Bill, give me the reel on what to expect between Washington and Carolina because we want to make it Ron versus Cam, but what's realistic and what you think will happen in that matchup? It's a, it's a, I love a revenge game, Fitz. i just got to be honest with you. This is just a prime, prime revenge game material on both sides. But I think it's going to come down to what we saw from Washington last week, which was, you know, an offense that, um, you know, did enough to win that game. The defense, of course, showed up against Tom Brady. Bucks turned the ball over twice. Um, but the offense held up its end of the bargain. They protected the football pretty well until the end of that game. Um, they moved the ball. They scored a couple of touchdowns when they needed to score touchdowns. And, and I think that's what it's going to come down to because Carolina's offense is a bit of a mess. I don't think Cam is going to fix that. But this defense, very good by advanced metrics, sixth in the NFL in points allowed per game. I think if they can, you know, make Taylor Heineke look like the guy who, you know, is kind of a borderline NFL starter. Cam doesn't have to be great for them to win games. If they can get to 17 points, they can win games with that defense. So to me, I think, you know, if they can hold Taylor Heineke down, I think I'm not even worried about what's going to happen on the offensive side of the ball for the Panthers. Bill, we, we said earlier that almost nobody knows what's going on, and, and that's not to insult an expert like yourself. That's why we have you on. So I'm going to ask you to use that incredible uh, knowledge and, and experience and to tell us which of the teams that are among the top actually feel more infallible to you, that are less likely to fall prey to the obscurities and weirdness of this season. Are there a couple that feel more certain to you? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say... I would go with the Cowboys because I feel like they are have so much depth on offense and the defense doesn't have to be good. We know the division is not very good. The NFC East, let's be honest, they're already three games ahead or three and a half games ahead of everyone else in that division. And I think I would say the Bills just because the defense is playing at such a high level right now. They've been so good throughout this entire season that I think, you know, there's so few teams in the NFL right now that have, you know, top five upside on both sides of the football. And with the Bills right now, their defense is at that level. And I think the offense, you know, we know from last year, even if they're not playing quite at that level right now, they can get hot in December. They can get back to that level, I think, given the talent they have. So to me, um, I I would lean towards the Bills as the team I trust the most. Hmm. But hey, I mean, the Patriots are kind of on our own. That's what I was going to say, because Vina said she trusts the Patriots. She said just a, a, a higher floor, no, no, I mean, not a higher this? ceiling, but a higher floor in terms of the, 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 you know, being consistent. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't want to disparage or doubt our friend, Mina Kimes, who happens to know more than me about football, but I am going to say, watch the Patriots play and watch what happens on third down when they're in like third and long. They don't trust Mac Jones. Not yet. Mm. They might eventually, he's going to be fine. But like on third and long, they're running screens, they're running short throws. They do not want him putting the ball in danger. That is a team that has a very good defense, a very good running game, and a quarterback who is okay. He is fine. I don't want to say he's a bad quarterback because he's not, but he is not a guy at this point they trust to win them football games. He might be later in the year, but right now, I think just the gap between Josh Allen and Mac Jones makes me think of the, the Bills are the team I would pick between those two in the AFC. Somehow. What about the Titans? Because I, I interrupted Fitz, and I know he's been on the bandwagon for people not giving the Titans enough love. They deserve it. I mean, they, they're sort of like the Packers. Like they keep finding ways to win no matter who's out, no matter who's struggling. 
I'm concerned about the offense. Hasn't looked very good the past couple weeks without Derrick Henry. But this defense is kind of stepping up. The defense has really improved as the year has gone along. A great pass rush this year after having no pass rush at all the year before. And, like, the schedule is, I think, the easiest in football over the remainder of the season. So, like, I think they're going to have a pretty gaudy record by the end of the season. I don't know if they're going to be that great in the playoffs without Derrick Henry, but I do think they are a team that we have to take seriously because they just keep finding ways to win football games. Bill, you, as always, are the best, my friend. Unfortunately, I didn't get time to to let you tell the world why the Raiders were going to win and then go to the playoffs. So we'll just presume that that's what was your that's next answer. what he would have said. I mean, yeah. a thousand percent. No need to answer the actual question, Bill, because uh, there was none. Bill, we appreciate your time. Thanks for saying the Raiders are going to the playoffs and hanging out with us. Always appreciate it. <laughs> that's canon now, guys. That's just canon. I said it's that. Just, it's the other way. Thanks, Bill. We appreciate you guys. Thanks, Don't forget, guys. you can tune into college football action tomorrow. Alabama State hosts Texas Southern. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus and on the SiriusXM app. Free for most SiriusXM subscribers. Oh, you know what time it is coming up next. Fitz's Little Bits. My little bits are coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN <laughs> Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain. Fits on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Sarah, you know, we talk about my nipples all the time on this show, but it's been <laughs> it's been at least a minute since we, I don't know, talked about... Oh, I hit the button. Little the- bits! <laughs> my little bits. Wow. Now, you really nailed that, Fitz. Uh, for anyone that's curious, <laughs> when I mention... Fitz's little bits! I'm not getting tired of that. What I'm talking about with my little bits, get your mind out of the gutter on Fridays, people. It's my college football takes. It's my uh, chance. It's my chance to get off little bits about different games. You see right. what we did there? Phrasing. Phrasing. Oh, yeah, man. we spent a lot of time on your nipples and your sphincter, and we've really been ignoring your little bits. Well, if I had a nickel for every time, <laughs> uh, that's what happens in life. It's uh, a Friday, folks. Yeah, it's starting yeah. early. Coming <laughs> off the rails early. Yeah, and, and fear not. You know, we haven't even had anything to drink yet. Okay, so <laughs> let's take a look at some of the college Speak football matchups. Yeah, that's fair. Some of the college football matchups out there that have us intrigued over the course of the weekend for Saturday, and we'll start with the most obvious obvious one number seven michigan state at number four ohio state sarah i want michigan state to win this football game i am not going to hold that back i want michigan state to go out there and make a big statement i want them to go out there and get it done because i think the committee has you know what them over and over and over every single week over this michigan thing they should be ranked higher i want all of that but people in hell want ice water. And at the end of the day, the more I've talked to guys that have been covering it, have just ripped apart the film, I can't find a way that Michigan State's defense is going to slow down Ohio State. Now, I do think Michigan State's going to be able to score points. This looks like it's going to be a really fun game. And Kenneth Walker III, the running back there, has a real opportunity to make a Heisman case if he can have one of those games. But it's going to be key for him to do that. They're going to have to get the ground game going against Ohio State simply to manage the number of possessions. Because you could argue C.J. Stroud, their quarterback, is the third or fourth best player offensively for Ohio State, and he's a Heisman candidate. That's how good Ohio State's offense is. I want Michigan State to win here. I just don't think it can happen. You know, you mentioned uh, that it would help them, of course. It would help 
all playoff contenders other than Ohio State if Michigan State won this game. But as much as you think it's going to be a fun one, this is the second largest spread between two AP top seven teams since 1978 Mm. when the FBS-FCS split. So there is not a lot of belief that Michigan State is going to keep this interesting. ESPN's FPI has an 86% chance for Ohio State to win. Caesars has Ohio State at minus 19. So this is going to be a Herculean task for Michigan State. You do take into account, obviously, that Tucker was on Jim Trestle's staff back at Ohio State, but that was a long time ago. You know, he's not bringing a ton of secrets over there. Maybe just, you know, can get into their heads. But this, unfortunately, for those who are looking for a big shakeup and a little more respect for Michigan State from from your point, uh, this is looking like probably a big win for Ohio State. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Next up on my list. Number three, Oregon. At number 23, Utah. What if I told you? <laughs> that you could say this was an upset and either way be right. Because wow. this is one of those crazy moments where Utah's number 23 and Oregon's number three. So in by by that very nature, Utah beating the number three team in the country would feel like an upset. But Utah is actually the favorite according to Vegas in yeah. this game. So mm-hmm. uh, what I think the world has forgotten about the Pac-12, because not a lot of people watch it, is that everybody thinks this is still like a spread offense that you know is out there and doing crazy things. It is not. These are two very, very physical football teams. And I talked to Sam Macho today who talked about Utah's problems handling multiple running backs coming around the edge and sort of option running trap plays. That's what Oregon's going to run here. Oregon's quarterback is also a dynamic runner. I think Oregon could win, is going to win this game. But it is going to be a tough matchup. And when you talk about chaos for the college football playoff committee, a loss for Oregon would create chaos so in the 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 chaos lever in me wants wildness here but i think oregon can take care of business yeah to your point one of these teams is not correctly rated right (laughs) either oregon is way overrated because they you know beat ohio state and had that loss to stanford or utah is massively underrated uh, since losing to byu and san diego state so we're going to find out about both of these teams this weekend and you're right it is a very odd one where somehow it could be an upset no matter which way it goes well the next game on the list Number 21, Arkansas, and number two, Alabama. What'd you say there? Oh. Alabama, Arkansas. That's right. We've got it. Alabama, Arkansas. And that means total chaos. Now, I mean, this is another Heisman opportunity uh, for Bryce Young to go out and have a big game. A- Arkansas's defense has played better than they get a lot of credit for. But every year I buy into it. Every year I think, you know what? Arkansas's defense is going to hold up. And then every year it does that for a second. The problem is uh, it's like a light switch. It flashes and then it may or may not flash uh, back off. But at least there's the chance that maybe Alabama's looking ahead uh, to Auburn. So maybe Arkansas can do the impossible. But I really think... It's still going to play out where Alabama wins. <laughs> I agree. When I look at Alabama, Arkansas, Alabama, Arkansas, I do think there's a chance that Arkansas doesn't, you know, that keeps it a little more interesting solely because of the way that they play. But I, by that, I just mean that, you know, Bama probably won't cover like a 50 point spread or whatever <laughs> they've got. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the Razorbacks have the second most rushes per game, second most rushing yards per game in the SEC. Like this is a team that wants to use the ground game. Maybe that'll eat up the clock enough to keep Bama from putting up quite so many points. But still, when I think Alabama, Arkansas, I'm still going to presume that Alabama's going to pound them. Yeah, one analyst said to me earlier, Arkansas's quarterback makes Big Ben look like Lamar Jackson. So that Ooh. shows you some Ooh. of the mobility yeah. issues. Yeah. Also, the Crimson Tide have beaten the Razorbacks by at least 32 points in their last four meetings straight. Oh, my God. Just one more time for fun. Alabama, 
Such a good jam. And one more game to have an eye on, of course. SMU at number five, Cincinnati. I talked to Heather Dinich today, and she said that after talking to people around the process, she's even less confident that Cincinnati has a viable path into the college wow. football playoff even if they than run she was. The table. Even if they run the wow. table. There is so much chatter and conversation, right or wrong, about their schedule that they've played and who they've had to beat along the way that at the end of the day, it seems like they're being pushed out of this conversation. Her point was that there's the opportunity for multiple teams to leapfrog Cincinnati. Even so frustrating. Cincinnati, yeah, it is frustrating. And for that reason, quickly, I will say, I hope Houston absolutely rolls Memphis. I usually love Memphis, but I need Houston to win that game so that we have a, a ranked-on-ranked AAC championship game. Those are some of... Fitz's Little Bits! College football is heating up. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow. USC hosts UCLA, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. CJ McCollum joining us next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I've been spending a lot of time on this show talking about how my bulls are back. And they were putting a whooping on the Blazers a couple nights ago. I was really enjoying it until C.J. McCollum and Dame Lillard and the rest of that bunch (laughs) put together a heroic comeback and ruined my night. I decided to invite him on and talk smack about it from the losing end. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, C.J. McCollum from the Portland Trailblazers, also an Famous Cleveland Browns fan is going to talk a little hoops and football with us. CJ, I'm still mad about what you did to us the other night. You did us dirty. I know you guys needed a W, uh, but that one hurt. I'm not going to lie. That one hurt. Oh, we needed that game a lot more than they did, and that's probably why we won, <laughs> to be honest. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, you guys did a little bit of a slow start. Talk to me about getting used to a new coach and, and how the season has started out for you. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely say we're off to a slow start, especially on the road. I only won one game on the road. We've been the, the, the team uh, that should be called Dr. Jekyll and uh, <laughs> Mr. Hyde, or Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll, however you do it. We are 7-1 and one at home, so we've played extremely well. We lost our season, season opener, but like you said before, having to adjust to a new staff and a lot of guys who are used to things being ran a certain way, used to an offense being a certain way in a defense, and now you bring in new staff, um, new schemes, new offense. It, it takes time to really adjust. But I think considering the fact that we've had one of the worst schedules in the NBA, I think we had the second best uh, schedule in the NBA in terms of opponents, uh, being on the road a lot, six back-to-backs this month, 17 games or so this month, I think we've done admirably well considering we only won one game on the road. I mean, what are the conversations like, CJ? Because you're right, seven and one at home and one and seven away. So, like, when you're away and you know you're struggling, what are you guys talking about going in to sort of write that? Yeah, I think we just want to bring that same energy um, at home. I think that's the biggest thing. The same energy we have at home we want to bring on the road. Um, and we haven't. We've gotten off to slow starts, uh, especially on the road. We've gotten off to slow starts at home, but we have the home court advantage. And the fans have kind of took us up and – we can't rely on that uh, because it, it's too hard, especially in the NBA. You get down 15. We got down you know, double digits against a good Bulls team. We've got down double digits against a lot of teams and had to fight our way back. And it just takes too much energy and just more about sustaining um, excellence throughout a game and, and being consistent. And I think we're getting towards that to where you know, we're a top five defense at home and then a bottom five on the road. And if we can be more consistent uh, on the road and you know, even to be a, a top 15 team, defensively on the road that gives us a chance uh, to win a lot of games this season 
Blazers CJ McCollum with us here on Spain and Fitz on this Friday night on ESPN Radio. There's a lot of conversation around Chauncey Billups getting the job as the head coach that you guys had to talk about preseason. Now your GM, Neil Olshie, is under investigation. How much does that actually affect the team? Are you guys talking about it in the locker room? Is it coming up in the media? Or have you been able to kind of be siloed from all of that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think besides when you you ask us about it, um, right, it's, right. it's not a part of our, our day-to-day <laughs> conversation. I think you look at both situations, they don't really involve the players. Um, and in both situations, it's, it's more, you know, outside counsel kind of doing things, outside legal, you know, kind of doing things from an investigative standpoint to where it doesn't involve, you know, players directly. You know, you just hear about it, you read about it, you see about it, and you just kind of move forward and understand that you have a job to do. Um each day uh, but while you know in the back of your mind I mean you are aware of it you are thinking about it and, and you are aware of the implications certain things could have on you you just try to do your job to the best of your ability and, and then go home and, and take care of your family all right CJ let's get to the important stuff here and that would be the Cleveland Browns like okay I spent several <laughs> years of my life on the road with Brad Paisley uh, who's a on, on tours with Brad I should say uh, who's a noted Browns fan. So, like, Browns fans can get pretty loud when it gets good and then can get pretty loud when it's not good. So this season's been a bit of both. Where are you right now with Cleveland as a whole, with the Browns organization? I mean, I understand this is a difficult time as a guy who plays the sport for a living. Um, there's ebbs and flows. There's things you can control, things you can't control. Uh, we're 5-5, five and five, two and three in our last five games. Obviously, the OBJ news was devastating for a lot of Browns fans. Um, lo- losing a, a guy like that who can impact the game in so many different ways, it, it hurts. But obviously, it wasn't a great fit for him. It wasn't a great fit for the Browns. And it gives you know the team a chance to sign some linemen, which is what we did most recently. But I think the Hunt injury has hurt us, obviously. Baker's battling an injury, you know, torn labrum. He's got some knee issues now. Hunt gets COVID. Another guy gets COVID. Players in and out of the lineup. Juice has been hurt all season. It's just been a tough year, and that's a part of football. But I think depth matters, coaching matters, and the ability to kind of move forward um, during during these volatile times is extremely important. And I have all the faith in the world. And, and my Browns, I know our defense is going to do what it needs to do, and I know our offense will get there, especially when we're healthy. So I like our chances. I think we're better than the Bengals. I think we're better than the Steelers. And looking at, uh, obviously, Sarah, we're better than the Bears since we beat them already. Yeah. But looking at the rest of Yeah, the- yeah, yeah. I remember that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the league is. <laughs> the rest yeah, of the AFC. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a tough spot. It's going to be very hard to make the playoffs, especially if we continue to play the way we play. But I still hold out hope that uh, this too shall pass and, and we shall figure out a way to go, I don't know, uh, 12 and we have to win out, huh? What is it, 17 games yeah. this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, man. We might not make yeah, the playoffs. Say- uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 11 wins might not. I mean, looking at the standings, 11 yeah, you wins could, might not. You could get, get it done. Set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could get it done. It's not It's not out of the question. Uh, by the way, CJ tried to get me to bet on that Bears-Browns game, and thankfully I did not see the message until it was over, and I was like, woof. I'm really glad I didn't put any money on that. Uh, CJ McCollum with us here of the Blazers, big Browns fan. You know, the conversation around the Browns kind of reminds me of the Blazers in some way. Uh, not that you guys were ever in the dumps the way the Browns were just a couple years ago, but instead of kind of being excited about the progress, people are just ready to win it all or or scrap it and you guys have had a lot of that conversation recent years where people are like oh they get so close over and over we got to blow it up and and you and and dame and others have said you want to stick around and see it through when you are a fan of a team instead of being a part of a team 
are you for the if I don't see us winning this, we should we should get rid of Baker and and try again, or are you are you ready to stick with a team that's kind of in the middle and see if it can get better? Yeah, I mean, you consider who we lost to last season. We lost to a Chiefs team. Mahomes went out. Uh, they had a great fourth down conversion, and that was our chance to go to the Super Bowl, literally. Like, we'd mm-hmm. probably go to the Super Bowl if we win that game. So, I mean, we were very close to, like you said before, it's a thin line between winning and losing. And as a guy who's been a member of uh, uh, the Browns fandom for many years, and we've had the number one pick over and over and over <laughs> again, I don't want to go through that personally like I'm sick of it I'm sick of you know hoping and praying on draft picks and hoping that we can you know wait for them to develop like no one has time for that I'm getting older by the year like I want to be able to go to a Brown Super Bowl before I'm 50 so I, I get the the same thing you know that we've gone through here in Portland but people have to understand it's very very hard to win a championship and there's no guarantee building through the draft is the right way to do it and you know, we've seen a lot of teams you know not necessarily lose games on purpose, but play younger guys and then lose games and not win for years and years and years. And that, that's got to be very difficult for not only players to deal with the organization to deal with, but also the fans who've been so patient and also spend their hard-earned money on attending games. So I, I think you have to find that balance between figuring out how to improve, but also understanding that it could always be a lot worse. Um, now, CJ, I, I'm looking at the calendar. I got a date circled on y'all's calendar, December 19th, not because you guys play the Grizzlies, but because that's the day the Browns play my beloved Raiders, who also happens to be Dame's favorite team. So, like, what's the Ooh. what's the trash talking? Like, what's the bet oh. going to be between you two when you got that level of fandom in that game? We generally bet lots of money on that game, to be honest with you. Um, we actually flew to flew to Oakland before they became the Las Vegas Raiders a few years ago, and we had to leave the game in the fourth quarter because we had our inner squad scrimmage, fan fest. And the Browns were up when we left, and we fell asleep on the plane, and when we woke up, the Browns lost. Oh, uh, that game, hurts. Do so yourself. Yeah, and there was a lot of blue strips involved. For those of you that don't know, blue strips are $100 bills, and there was thousands of them. Which makes me very glad that I don't bet with people like you. I was going to say, <laughs> Fitz just said he has a spreadsheet for how much spreadsheet for how much money he spends on Christmas decorations. Yeah, I'm cheap, I don't think man. he can I'm, roll uh, with you guys. I'm notorious. I'll, I'll, let Dame, I'll let Dame take care of the bet side of it for <laughs> me. You know, right, I'll just handle right. the trash talking. He can handle the cash part. Yeah. I'm gonna scroll that. No, we can make it easy it. for you. We could do we could do wine. We can do meals. We can we can make oh. it financially appropriate. Oh, yeah, I'm CJ, okay. no, just no, no, no. CJ. Let me just warn you: don't make any bets if you anticipate getting paid when you win, because I have beaten Fitz in almost every single bet we've ever had, and I've not gotten paid off once. Not I mean, once. There's, there's more. I'd like to say there's more context. There really there isn't. is no context. No, there is no context. You're so the I keep, worst. I keep That's trying to context. roll it forward. I keep trying to double or nothing. It. I, I have know. lost to him once out of eight bets, and I paid him immediately, and he is still not paid up on a single one of the other ones. Yeah, don't, well, and, don't, don't bet with him. He can't no. be trusted. Hey, CJ, thanks for hanging out with us. I know it's a Friday night. You're a busy guy. Really appreciate it. No problem, you guys. Take it easy. Go Browns. Go Blazers. Yeah, take it easy on my Bulls. Okay. All right. Uh, McCall. Take it easy on my Raiders. Like the, uh, that. That's. I'm still focused on this whole Browns Raiders matchup in December. I like. I that's going to be good. I just want to be on like around that bet that they've got going. They're playing the Grizzlies that night in Memphis. We'll see. You know. We're going to have to get him back on. We could talk about that Browns-Raiders matchup then. CJ McCollum with us here on Spain and Fitz. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, it's a Friday, which means we got to close things out with our picks for the NFL weekend. It's next.
Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Oh, that's right. It's a Friday. I'm in Louisville getting ready for a big NWSL championship game tomorrow. Don't forget to watch 12 Eastern, 11 Central, 9 Pacific on CBS as my Chicago Red Stars take on the Washington Spirit for the title. Fitz is out in Bristol. It's some Friday fun here on Spain and Fitz. I like talking smack with CJ McCollum. I look forward to revisiting with him when it is that uh, Raiders-Browns weekend. That's going to be good. Um, on Friday, we like to do our picks. We like to predict the NFL weekend. We started out strong. Things have gotten a little tougher in recent weeks as some big teams have taken some bad L's. We hope to be back on track this week. It is our five pick Friday. Fitz, why don't you get us started? What's your first pick this week? Yeah, I'll start with that college uh, game. The game day site this week is Michigan State uh, at Ohio State. And as much as I wish I could find a path for Michigan State, who I do think will be able to score points in this O-H-I-O, Ohio State is going to roll. They are the number two team in the country, in my opinion. They are playing uh, far better than Alabama, I think, is in this moment. I think Ohio State's not getting enough love for how good they're going to be, or how good they are, I should say. I think they're going to roll Michigan State, and that's not a statement on Michigan State. It's a statement on how good the Buckeyes are. Sorry, Sparty. Yeah, if that happens, and if the rest of the uh, of the matchups go the way you expect, how much of a change is there in the in the uh, rankings? You think? I think that oh, Ohio State's going to leapfrog Oregon, even though Oregon has the win over Ohio State. So then we can all yell about that for a week, and that's going to be about like they'll come up, uh, but the same the top four will be the same, just in a different order. Everybody's just fighting for the right to get their butt kicked by Georgia. So I don't know why we care. <laughs> well, because uh, we, this is how we make money, Fitz. That's is, fair. Uh, people That's fair. caring and I care listening immensely. to us. I care yeah, immensely. There you go. There you go. Uh, I'm just going to start off by ripping off the Band-Aid of the Ravens-Bears matchup that I need to predict. I am very sad to say that uh, no part of me thinks the Bears are going to win this game. I mean, uh, it is, uh, anything can happen, I guess. And Lamar and the Ravens have had some stinkers. Uh, but the Bears are kind of a mess right now. Their injury report is is as long as a CVS receipt. The Bears are going to lose this one. The Ravens win. No, you're, you're, you're confident in that one. I... I didn't feel good about it. I didn't actually pick that game. But since we're ripping off Band-Aids, I'll rip off that Raiders Band-Aid only to tell you they're going to win. That's right. Look, wow. at the end of the day. We're the, still here. I, I, I feel so I mean, bad for I'm you. I'm trying this every Get it together. The Bengals are, are, are not necessarily great coming off the bye, and Joe Burrow didn't have a great game. But I'm just trying to find some way to convince mm-hmm. myself. Like, if I can't have some belief in my heart today, then Monday's going to be really miserable. So somehow, some way, the Raiders beat the Bengals. That's, that, that's, I mean, that's my Bears I'm, did it. I mean... My but Bears beat the Bengals. It, it was before they started to pick up some steam, but now they've lost steam again. So you might have something there. I, I, you might be all right. Thank you. Thank you so um, much. I'm going to return to one of our favorites, which is to pick one or two of the worst teams and then just pick whoever's playing them. And that is Houston uh, and a very good Titans team. I realize this could easily be a trap game, and I feel much more scared of those games now that we've seen a handful of them across the last couple weeks. But there's no reasonable way to believe that the Titans would lose to the Texans. So I have to believe that uh, with Adrian Peterson doing uh, you know, a reasonable approximation of what Henry can do with that offensive line, with Ryan Tannehill taking care of the ball, and with the Texans just being flat-out bad, that it's going to be Tennessee's win. Yeah, I also picked this game, and this means that on Monday we're going to start the cycle of what we're going to hear every week for the next six or seven weeks, which is, sure, the Titans won, but, and, and that's just because to the point that uh, Bill Barnwell made earlier today, the, the Titans' strength of schedule the rest of the way down the, the, the season is awful. So they're playing a bunch of bad teams. They're going to beat a bunch of bad teams, and we'll either choose to make that a reason why the, the Titans are good or we'll choose to make it a reason why we doubt them. But ultimately, I don't see any reason to not not pick them right now and to probably for the next several weeks. I feel pretty good about the Titans. 
All right, good to hear it. Good to hear it. We're both on the same page on that one. I don't know if that should make me feel bad or good on that. Well, it makes usually, me feel good because you're usually yeah, exactly. leading at this, so there's no exactly. doubt about that. Um, we talked about the Bills earlier, and uh, Bill Barnwell uh, said they were a team that he feels incredibly confident in. They did have that farter of a game against the Jags, but the Bills are a team that I've been confident in since the beginning, and while the Colts are showing some signs of life, uh, they are not as much of an easy uh, W as they were at different points of the season. I still think there's got to be a belief that this Colts team is just not good enough to hang with the likes of Josh Allen and the Bills when the Bills are showing up and presenting that balanced attack. So I've got my money on Buffalo this week. I just Not like, literal money, though, because I'm terrified of losing. You said farter of a game. A farter like, of a game. Like, that is just a... Yeah. That, that is it was a, actually It was actually more of a... I don't think I could say that word, actually, so I'm not going to yeah. say it. It starts with an SH, and then it ends the way yeah. that Fart does. I, like, I don't think I I'm expected, allowed to say that. I expected, it was worse than like, that. A turd of a game wouldn't bother me as much as a farter of a game. I don't know why farter is just... And this is what's happening on a Friday night. Uh, okay, so I, I, I went into... I, I dabbled into the Monday night football good, good, just because the, the Buccaneers are taking on the Giants, and I don't think the Giants are good. So there you go. Uh, that's about all it takes for me to figure out yeah, that I, I still believe in Tampa Bay. That feels like a very safe pick, and right now I'm losing yeah. to you. So I just want some safe picks. So I'm taking Tampa Okay, well, Tampa just Bay. so you know, you are losing to me and you do want safe picks, but if you pick the same ones as me and then we both get it right or wrong, we're going to be at the same and we're going to be even Son again. And I've also got the Bucks biscuit. over the Giants because that is just a good team playing a bad team. So I'm sorry that won't help you if you get it right. How about this one? I'm taking Green Bay over Minnesota. I don't Ooh. care what Ryan Clark says. Wow. Yeah, yeah. There, there we go. It's still Minnesota and it's still last time I checked Aaron Rodgers. So I'm all in on that. That is uh, bold of you, very you. bold of you. Thank you. I did not do that because I am terrified. When enough smart people say something, I think to myself, maybe they're right. So I went with the Browns over the Lions. Now, I understand that the Browns have had some hiccups, and Baker Mayfield is a little bit hurt or very hurt, but the Lions are not a good team, and the Lions are going to find a way to push it and then lose. And I also believe that if Case Keenum ends up going in because because uh, uh, Baker doesn't have it, he's a, a perfectly good replacement and you can step in and do as well as, as Baker almost could. And I just think that right now is such a pivot point for the Browns. There's so much conversation around them that they need this win. This is one they can't drop. And I think they'll summon enough to pull it together and get the win. No, yeah. I, I kind of like that pick, but also I just feel like, I don't know, because the football gods continue to give us Browns content we can spend all week on. I didn't trust this game. <laughs> that, that, that was it. That's like, fair. The That's football fair. I'm already, gods I'm are already regretting making that decision. As I'm saying it, I'm already thinking to myself, there's a lot of bad things that can happen. Maybe I shouldn't make this pick. But for now, and in honor of CJ McCollum, I guess, and his fandom of the Browns, I'll give it to him. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Speaking of CJ, by the way, as we uh, head out, out here and I uh, plan to head out in Louisville, uh, we got a lot of good feedback to that interview. Not surprisingly, he's always a good time. Uh, Angry Bear fan dad man who is uh, uh, one of our favorite listeners uh, was pretty angry with me for, for, for being critical of the Bulls. Uh, he hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed to be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation said, okay, let's not give up on our Bulls. It's only one game and Portland is a tough place. I'm not giving up on them. They are still fully back. I just did not enjoy watching them blow a 20 plus point lead the other night to the Blazers, especially when CJ and Dame had like zero points in the first half. Uh, but also Gail, another of our favorite listeners at Gem Knitter hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. She's a part of Spain and Fitz Nation. And she said one of the most cool interviews 
ever. She said she's beaming over there. And I agree. We should get him on more often. I, I agree. Also, you haven't given up on it. Maybe it, it's still all caps. The Bulls are back. Maybe it just it's, has a question mark at the end. The no, Bulls are back. Absolutely not. There no, is no okay. question mark. I say with certainty, the Bulls are back, baby. <laughs> just like the Red Stars are going to win tomorrow. CBS, 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Pacific. Watch the game. Support it. Root for my Red Stars. Have some drinks with me in the middle of the morning if they win and when they win. Right, Fitz? Let's go, baby. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.